kicked out the kitchen. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a it's a really nice looking uh, hearth behind oh, you. Check out check out the beams, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, some nice beams. Um, I had a beard accident yesterday. That's why I was asking if we were on um, a beard um, accident. I was gonna say who, who's this who's this imposter here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look, I'm ready. I'm the 21 year old fresh faced idiot. Again. <laughs> We could have used but, um, it. No, I, I, um, I about. <laughs> I, uh, Go on. Oh, I was going to say. We, I think we got a little bit of a lag, but I was going to say uh, right before that, I was uh, I was looking at some of those sharper images for the thumbnail for you, and I was like, I could have used one of those, man. It would have been no sweat at all. Like no yeah. no false advertising. Beards there, no beard. <laughs> Mate, I um basically what well, I, I was just just one of those i was just not thinking i was like oh you know just to, to put the clipper on just went and like half a beer just went i thought oh. and I, at this point though i haven't got my next day off is january the 11th so i'm like all right i've got like three months to go back so so okay. <laughs> perfect all right well uh, we'll do a we'll do a proper intro for you and all that kind of stuff this is i'm trying maybe a little bit of a, a fun starter format but everybody will stick around and uh, we'll do this intro and introduce you the proper way here okay all right here we go Radical episode 159. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for tuning in. I got a great guest for you guys today. Um, he had reached out to me a while back and trying to get our schedules on the same page. Uh, he's an international man of mystery. Uh, straight from the UK, uh, a fellow veteran. He is also the host of the uh, Veterans to Mind podcast. He is also a New York Times bestseller and on that side of the pond the sunday times bestseller Geron jones welcome to radical mate, brother mate your intro it's just incredible like it's, <laughs> it's so good. I, 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 I am ready to punch through walls right now mate but i'm gonna try, try and try, i'm gonna try and calm it down Nah, dude, we don't really level. need to calm down anything, man. Um, <laughs> I, I love going into conversations like this with guys I know. I mean, it's easy for me, it, you know, with, with most vets to, to be able to do this kind of stuff. But, I mean, we laid down in, what, an hour and a half just last week um, on your show. And, it, I mean, we could have kept going and kept going. And so I think this is more or less a, a continuation of this. Uh, it's later in the day for me, um, much later in the evening for you. And, uh, man, I appreciate you making time to come on here and uh, and share some stories and tell some tales and uh let everybody know who you are over here on this side well thanks for having me on mate and I'll, let me tell you i've been recording podcasts today for the veteran state of mind one of the ones we covered was a uh, war is a racket uh the book by smedley butler so i'm fired up for for this mate um but yeah name is garrett jones uh go by guest to my friends joined the military um first of all at reserves i was at university Planned on going the whole kind of career officer route. So I wanted to get a degree under my belt, all that kind of stuff. Then while I was at university, um, Iraq happened. Obviously, Afghanistan happened too. And um, I figured I'd go in and do one tour, get some experience as an NCO. And then, like, you know, honestly, I really kind of enjoyed it. Like, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing out there. And um, stuck around to back-to-back tours, tried to do a third. They wouldn't let me. Sent me back for a bit. I came back, was a civilian for a very short time. Was going to go into the police force, actually. I know like, that could have ended up badly, but I um, I went to the police force, passed everything to get into the police. I saw some kind of warning. This was like 2009, 2008, maybe. And I, I wasn't really liking what I was seeing then. I thought this, is, this, this isn't the place for me. I kind of been put on that track of like, right, you're like lower middle class. You're either going to be a teacher or you're going to be a cop. So I was like, well, I don't really want to be those. I'm going to go to Afghanistan. Went back to Afghanistan, went to Helmand Province in 2009. That was pretty tasty. And then um, came back from that, uh, went on to the private military contracting circuit for a while, did the ships, the anti-piracy security around Africa, Middle East, that kind of stuff. And while I was on the boat, started writing. And uh, yeah, got my first, um, kind of got my agent and my first kind of publisher interested while I was floating off coast of Sudan. I think it was kind of like 2015 and I've been writing full time since 2016. 
Yeah, I was going to say, man, you're very prolific. I mean, it's not like when I started, you know, I was like New York Times bestseller, like son of a bitch. Like this guy's doing some really big things. What am I like? What am I doing with my life? Why haven't I written at least a book? I mean, let alone a a, a New York Times bestseller and a Sunday (laughs) Times bestseller. Like, come on, man. Like, I mean, your your book, um, Brothers in Arms, um, started getting into it. And I'll tell you. Um, I really appreciate the the fact that it is very uh, real, uh, you know, just just one of those kind of gritty, like the downtimes, the uptimes, the, 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 the horror and the, 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 the hysterics all at the same time. Um, I think you did a, a pretty masterful job. I, I can see why it was, you know, in, in, you know, a bestseller out there. But let's I want to stick on this for a minute because you're also a grunt, man. Like you like and, and for people that don't speak the language, grunts are infantrymen, right? Like um, these guys are the guys that, you know, probably have the worst lifestyle in you know, the, the military, um, they're, they're tough, they're hard as nails. And, you know, a lot of times they just, they put up with a lot of bullshit and I don't know, man, like it's a, it's a different type of lifestyle for sure. Yeah, mate. Like, and I appreciate you saying that about the book, mate. Um, I'm not anti kind of like soldiers or anything like that. I had the best times of my life in uniform and I love the guys that I went with. And, you know, this is something you know, I was talking about it today when I was covered in the war, you know, war is a racket. That I disagree with why we went to war doesn't mean that I'm not grateful for where it's brought me to in my life because I have some of my best friends from it. Um, I would never have had, you know, the quote unquote awakening without it. Um, so I think it's made me a better human being. Um, but when it came to the book, I, I I wanted to give a realistic. I didn't like. I didn't want to say. This is, you know, this is all the terrible stuff that happened, and that's that. And I don't want to say this is all the great stuff that happened. I was just like, I'm going to tell it how it is. I kept a journal when I was there, so I had all my notes, and I was like, so it wasn't even writing with hindsight. It was just like these are my notes from the day. I'm going to expand on them, and um, you know, people can take away what what they want. I hope what most people take away from it, veterans, is you know, it will remind them of the good times and the bad. And I hope that there's some young people reading then they might have second thoughts about being kind of all, you know, clappy, clappy when it comes to, you know, when 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 war comes along. I mean, who am I kidding? Young guys are always going to want to go fight a certain amount of them. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not like there weren't books around when you and me were growing up saying don't go to war. <laughs> yeah. Like every Vietnam book is basically saying don't go fight. It's a terrible idea. But, you know, certain proportion of us, I think, are born with this DNA of um, want to go get some, you know. It's, yeah. It's part of, part of us. Yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely that kid. You say clappy, clappy. Uh, I always say star spangling, awesome, right? And it's just like, yeah, man. I mean, you. It's, it's not only that you know. There's there is a certain percentage of the population that I think is just you know predestined to want uh, to f- fight bad guys or what they perceive as mm-hmm. bad guys, and um, to to per- pervert the warrior class. I think a lot like the you know the United States and the UK um, school systems have indoctrination systems. I think that's exactly what you get anyways. You get these guys that are like, oh, man, like, let's go and do something great for the motherland, right? And it's just like, man, I, I hate to tell you guys, but, um, you know, there's there's a lot of what you don't see over there is it's not glorious. I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, when they they tell you about the, the glories of battle and – you know, this, this guy got, I don't know, for, for us, you know, Navy cross or, uh, you know, a bronze star for some, you know, valorous action, man, that was the worst day in that guy's life, man. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, not to be, not to be celebrated. It's, it's, it's a day of reverence for these type of guys. And you kind of get to that point yourself. Um, yeah, I did. I, um, you know, I actually got put in for an award that I didn't get in Afghanistan. And yeah, right. If I would have got it, it would have been what I would describe as the worst day of my life. <laughs> so like there's death, there's definitely truth in that. Um, at the same time, if I'd have got a bit, if I'd have led a bayonet charge and killed a bunch of bad guys, sure. But I mean, that's just not reality. Like the, the reality is that people on both sides die. And I always think about, you know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I'd love to go back to those days, but you know, we had days there. So so I'd say one of the best days of my life was that one day we got hit in an L-shaped ambush 
Um, we were out in the open ground. We didn't have a foot on the ground. We just made like rookie mistakes and do like the air was full of like the angry wasps just flying everywhere. And it was one of those moments where it was like, ah, oh yeah, someone's trying to kill us. All right, cool. And then, you know, just, I was a machine gunner. So I was just putting down rounds, laying down on the hate. And it was just, I'm just going to be honest. It was so much fun. Um, but later in the tour, we went back to that field and we cleared that field and we found so many IEDs that just by luck, no one had stepped on that day. And one of my friends, one of my best friends had got shot through the neck that day. Um, and he'd got shot just at the point where it didn't hit his spine and it didn't hit any of the arteries. Like literally he had a through and through in his neck. Million dollar wound, man. Bro, one way, one little bit, one way or the other, if he was a half a second faster, cause he was a bit fat. So if he was a little bit faster, he would be dead. And that day that was so much fun to me would have been the worst day of my life. Yeah. So that's the th you know that's the thing. And like, I went, dude, when we went back and we saw how many IEDs were in that field, it was just like, all right, this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> I don't want to come back. I don't want to come here again. Like, IEDs aren't fun. They take all the fun out of it. Yeah, they they take all the fun out of the job. So you were you went in as a non-commissioned officer in what mm -hmm. uh, 05, 06 sometime. Um, I, so I started. I actually started pre nine eleven with um, uh, with the reserves. So my okay. I, I'd already I knew I knew I was going to join the like the army. That was that. Okay. You know, I went through the fast jet. I'm going to be a fast jet pilot, same as everyone else does. Much as Top Gun, but then like I realized that I actually totally suck at maths and other stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll join the infantry. Um, but like, I I could never join anything other than the infantry. I don't understand. Like, hey, if anyone's listening and you've done another a, a role, I appreciate you. I you know I really appreciate you, but I don't understand you. I don't understand how anyone joins the force and doesn't be like, right, I want to be the bayonet, you know? Um, so I was, I was there. I, I went out to Iraq, did my first tour in Iraq. I had like a very, like, I call it good luck. Some people call it bad luck. I was in Iraq at the height of Iraq and I was in Afghanistan at the height of Afghanistan. So I was in Iraq 06, 07, and then I was in Afghanistan 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just, um, I, I realized very early on that I wasn't going to do the army for a career. Um, I think you and I, and probably most of your listeners class ourselves as critical thinkers. It's not the place to be for a critical thinker is the old army. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do tours. I'm going to leave. So once I got that Lance Corporal rank, I wasn't doing the shittest jobs. I was happy. You know, I'm like, I'll stay out of it. Um, and I was lucky as well. I went into, uh, for my third tour, I went to like recce platoon, which is like, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like support company and we have like we the reason i could be a, a machine gunner in that platoon as an nco was because almost everyone in there is an nco so right. you know just it, it was great because everyone in there um we all had like three four five tours uh, under our belts so it was a great platoon first name terms there like the platoon commander when you're not on thing would come in and sit down with us and would just shoot the shit and be a boy right. but then as soon as but like it, it didn't matter that as soon as it was time to work then it was, you know, like, that's my sergeant. That's even though I was just joking and calling him a fat cunt five minutes. Oh, shit. Can I swear on this? <laughs> yeah, you're good. Okay, cool. Well, it's a Liberty podcast. I got to have the Liberty. Of to, course, to, man. To, there's, to there's, free there's, very, there's very few shows in Liberty where you can't say what you want to say. Yeah. But yeah, but, so uh, it, it was great, mate. It was great. Yeah. No, so what, what was your moment, man? Because you're very, very similar in the vein that I am. Um, and I don't know, you know, if you're, you know, later or whenever to it, but you seem to really just nail it. I mean, as a, as a man from the UK, um, you know, even here in the States, it's uncommon to have, you know, people in this liberty space, uh, you know, that's talking about consent and peace and, you know, really people's people's rights um where where did this all hit you uh i'm gonna be quite honest right i knew iraq and afghanistan was bullshit and i still went anyway because i wanted to get some um and like look i was a young man i wanted to fight and here's the thing i have no bones about um you know the i know i you know i i know i killed someone i have no issues about that because the way i see it i turned up for a fight he turned up for a fight, big boy rules. Where I have an issue is that the people who are living in the middle of it, they didn't ask for that fight and they didn't want to be there. If we could have wars out in a patch of desert where one side turns up against the other and everyone is there consenting, then that's a different story. But that's not reality. 
um, every time we cheer when a bomb hits a compound, that's not actually a compound. If we said, all oh, right, I want to put an airstrike on that person's home, then you'd go, oh, wait a minute, that's someone's home. But you go, I want to hit that compound. Oh, it's a compound. No problem. We'll hit right. the compound. And, you know, look, man, young men don't have much of um, – we, we just don't think much, to be quite honest. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, mate, but I used to write off one car after another. It's just, we're pretty thick. And um, even though I didn't agree with the wars, I, I knew that they were kind of bullshit. I still, and I still think that if there's if there is an enemy worth fighting, it's probably the Taliban. Uh, and it was probably the Jaysh al-Mahdi in, in Iraq. Like, you fought the Mahdi army yourself. Um, anybody that's seen or heard about the torture chambers and the things like that that they have going on, that sometimes some people deserve a bullet, and these might be one of them, but that doesn't justify destroying an entire country in order to line the pockets of a few people. And I think what it really – I think good things can come out of bad intentions, right? And if you look at where we were in Afghanistan, yes, were we there for the wrong reasons? Absolutely. But did we genuinely care about the people in that village? Did we enable girls to go to school? Did we enable people to start being able to, you know, have their own their own kind of like ideas outside of what the Taliban told them acceptable? The people in the village wanted us there overwhelmingly. Um, now, where it falls apart is that we just fucking left. And anyone that worked with us, it gets killed. And we did the same in Iraq. And I'd say, to be honest, mate, if we're talking about that moment, um, we were in Basra City in 2006, 2007. And it was going off. I mean, like, it was just constant fighting. Basra Palace was the most attacked place in all of Iraq at the time. It was constant mortars and rockets all day, sniper attacks. We couldn't go through the city to resupply them without an entire armored battle group. So I used to be, our platoon would do a part of the clearance. So we'd be at the front in warrior armored fighting vehicles, which are like Bradley's. Mm-hmm. In front of those, we'd have Challenger main battle tanks. We'd have Apache above us. Uh, this is kind of interesting as well. This is kind of like shows how stupid the whole thing is. Our rules of engagement were so fucking tight that we used to have American Apache over the top of us because I wouldn't be allowed to fire at someone, but the Apache was because we were on different rules of engagement. Like, whatever. I mean, just. Oh, it's weird, isn't it? It's crazy, bro. Um, I was so. I didn't fire a shot in Iraq because I was so scared of going to prison that I was just like, I'm just good. Like, I'm like, you know what? It's the guy's not right in front of me. I'm just, I don't know exactly which window it's come from. I'm just going to take this. Like, not everyone, thankfully, was like that. But I was I was so worried about, because, and this has happened. I've had friends who have been hounded through the courts from war crimes, for, like war crimes trials. Same here. Yeah. And they've later been found to be totally spurious. Like this literally, it was total bullshit. And, but I was yep. just too scared of it. Um, so basically, I'd summarize my time in Iraq as like, basically, run out the back of the vehicle, kick a box to see if it's an IED, get back in the vehicle. Um, but during that tour where we lost guys um, fairly regularly, um, unfortunately, and also the civilians were getting smoked, obviously, this whole whole city was a battleground. The, you know, it, when you have some violence, it begets more violence. So the tribes were fighting each other. The militias were fighting each other. We're getting fought by everybody. The terrorists are in there. The militias are in there. The locals are fighting each other. Uh, people are being turned up beheaded. People are being tortured to death. Uh, people that worked for us on the bases would go missing. Then they'd turn up with their heads smashed in with fucking hammers. Yep. It was just, it was chaos. It was ethnic cleansing. It was a mess. The British government, because it was bad press to have all these guys dying in the news in what they were calling a peacekeeping action. Uh, and it's important to look at this in the context of what was going on in Afghanistan at the time. So Afghanistan, oh, this is a noble shooting. This isn't a dirty IED war yet. This is a noble shooting war against the evil Taliban. Let's put that on the TV and let's not talk about what's going on in Iraq. It's a peace action. A peace action requiring main battle tanks and warrior armored vehicles just to go and resupply our mates with more ammunition. Um, it was it was chaos. And they made a deal with the militias that you stop attacking us, we'll hand back all your mates who have we've been bleeding and dying to get on the strike operations and we left the city without telling the Iraqi government. So the Iraqi government, we're there to help. We don't tell them we're leaving Basra. The first they hear about it, Basra has been completely taken back by the militias because we've left. And the thing is, mate, like, fucking hell, we never, like, it's the old Vietnam thing. We never lost, 
you you left the British on the ground. We're not losing those fights. But if we're not, if we're told to pull out the city and we're not there, it's not like me, Lance Corporal Jones, has any fucking say over that. And to be honest, right. mate, we knew what was happening. We knew it was fucking bullshit. And then for the rest of our tour, the, as they drip release these prisoners, they made us, the people that had gone and get them, open, literally open the gates for these people and let them walk out the gates. Um, and that is when I knew it was all bollocks. Oh, and guess what happened when the last of the prisoners got released? Biggest rocket bombardment of the entire war. So, Shocker. Who would have who would have guessed that these people that torture and you know like systematically rape people and torture people wouldn't keep their word? Who would have guessed that? Um, and then it was never in the press. It was never in the press. It's never talked about. Anybody who tries to come out in in like these um, military historians and stuff and do it is they are um kind of shouted down by the establishment military historians about how it was, oh no, it was a it's the same as Afghanistan. No, no, they were ready to take over. No, they weren't. All the Iraqi police service were militia. Um, the amount of my friends who have killed Iraqi militia, you know, it's a lot of them because they, they were the, like the Iraqi police were, sorry, not militia, the Iraqi police were the enemy. Um, and the Iraqi army that were there, there was a few of them. What happened in the end is an American, um, American and advisor teams and a, um, the Iraqis kind of like their shock division had to come down and retake the city with a lot of fighting. And uh, that's when I realized total bullshit, but it didn't stop me going to Afghanistan, did it? So, <laughs> <laughs> so mate, I'm fucking me a culprit. I am, I am a guilty cog in this machine, 100%. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is after you see it, it's like it, 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 at least it can't be unseen, you know? And, and that's, you know, to, to be able to go forward and, and, and have conversations like this for people out there that, you know, haven't been part of it or young guys who are considering, you know, running off to quote unquote, you know, join the military and get into fights, you know, maybe, you know, if, if you're looking for something a little more, um, I don't know, quote unquote patriotic, maybe, you know, the fights at home these days and, and not a world away from, you know, where we're at with everything that's going on. Um, with that being said, man, I mean, the, I, I the, the whole, you know, mindset of where we come from, I think the, the crowd out here is fairly well primed for that. Um, I wanted to kind of get into, you know, your your perception of how things are going right now over in the UK um, and kind of wanted to, to go down that path with you a little bit. Sweet. What I will say as well, mate, just before I answer that is I think you're spot on with what you said there. That the, that the home front is the kind of the front. Not that obviously I'd, I'd rather it not be a fucking violent one. Absolutely. But yeah. we do need warriors in society. One hundred percent. We just need to. Yep make sure that they're directed in the right way. Um, so I'm totally with you on that. Um, all right, how are things going on here? Insidious, I'd say, is the term. We don't, we're not having the overt, in-your-face, aggressive kind of like um, comply or get beaten, you know, like metaphorically with, with what's going on over there. Uh, and I think there's a couple of reasons for this. And the, the first and foremost is, as much as I love America, the biggest fault I think with America is that you like Americans find it very, and this is probably not something that like relates to your audience, but I'm I'm generalizing. Mm -hmm. Generally, Americans love team sports, and politics and liberty in America has turned into a team sport. We don't have that issue over here so much because, really, I think most people are on the same page here that all politicians are twats. All of them. Um, we're finally so, getting to that point. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're not like, oh, you know what? My party would have handled this a lot better. You know, it's really not that. It's more along the lines of, so it's not a party thing. But there are people who are obviously, it's, it comes down to in this country, are you pro safety? And I'm saying quotes on that because it's the illusion of safety. So are you pro the illusion of safety or are you pro freedom? So mm -hmm. those are the two choices here, but it doesn't correspond to the parties like you have in um, in America, which is a good and bad thing. Uh, the bad thing about that is the media here at the moment, I would say, is very much a state media now. Um, you're not getting – we don't have a, like, really – GB News started up, um, which is more like they're, they're, you know, they kind of promote themselves on a free speech basis. But we don't have – like, as much as I don't agree with the two polarized kind of versions of the news, at least there is something kind of countering the other, even if one side is just talking as much shit as the other. Whereas here, it's just one stream of government-approved nonsense. Um, and the BBC 
quite rightly, for a long time, had a great reputation for being reputable news. Um, during the Cold War, it was the news channel, the World Service, is what a lot of people around the world would tune into, you know, these countries under communism, to get some idea of what was going on in the world. And I, it, ironically, the BBC has done a lot of work for liberty over the, uh, the decades. That changed. Like, it's been going on for a while. So I saw it when I was in Iraq. They, they were just lying about what was going on there. So it's been going on for over a decade. But now they are just a mouthpiece, you know, for the government. But I'll sum up how things are going to appear with something that just happened in, in the news this week. Um, obviously, like every other country, COVID happens. First thing that anybody has ever opened the fucking history book is going to say is, right, here's a quote-unquote emergency. Here come the emergency powers. And what everybody has read the book say, will say they will not give up these powers. Um, and they haven't. And they extended them this week. And this is the worst bit about it is they didn't even pretend to vote on it or anything like that. They had a few MPs, so there's 650 MPs in the UK. Mm, amazingly, none of them have died of COVID, even though they're all fat and old. Weird. That's weird. Um, not that I have, hey, look, I'm not denying the existence of COVID, but I am denying that, um, oh, well, I'm not denying, I suppose. I suppose I was How just wishful serious thinking. They're, I was, they're making I was supposed to, yeah, I was kind of wish, just wishful thinking we might lose a few MPs. Uh, <laughs> and I shouldn't wish it on anyone. But um, no, joking aside, I, you know, they... They had a few MPs in, and the Speaker of the House, you know, she's kind of like, right, we got this. <laughs> this is not how she's headed, but I'm paraphrasing. I, I but, saw the video, man. It made yeah, me oh, sick. So okay, yeah. so, so for anyone that hasn't seen it, she um, she basically asks, is there anyone in favor of these new laws? Uh, or, sorry, extending these uh, emergency laws. Some people say aye. She asks, is anyone against? Some people say no. And she goes, oh, I'm sensing the mood of the people. You know what? Can I play it on the microphone? I've got it on my phone. I will, yeah, I will. man. I mean, and that's the thing. She's sitting there. She's standing up in, in front of the in front of the parliament, right? And she's got a what green jacket on. Yeah. And all, all, all like tw all twenty of them have fucking turned up, right? Here's, here she is. I fear the mood of the house is not to have a vote on this. <laughs> so that so then they laugh. They they laugh. At the idea cheeky is what they're saying, is what you say. <laughs> they're, they're, they're being cheeky with the emergency powers, right? You fucking cunts is what they are, mate. <laughs> but, like, but you know what's crazy, mate? I was speaking to one of my mates about this today, and he's right. He said, this is how you make extremists. You know, this is how you make them. To not even pretend that you are going to have... Because the thing is, if they had a vote, I'm under no illusions that these spineless morons will have put it, they will have voted it through. But at least we will say on there, here are the people that voted to extend these emergency powers. These are the people who, when they bring in more lockdowns late in this year, as I'm sure they probably will, they're already priming for it, um, are going to be the ones that cost you your business, that cost you your relationship, that cost you your mental health, that cost your friend his life. These are the, That's what they're kind of doing at the moment. And now they've just shirked that. Oh, well, oh, no, it wasn't me that did it. They didn't have the vote. And I said to my friend, I'm sure, like, because he's like, well, you know, because we're trying to be reasonable about, about this. And we're like, well, maybe they're not all as bad as each other. But this is why that doesn't wash. When she did that, if you had any shred of honor, you would have stood up and you would have said, I demand a vote on this. And we, we are here as representatives of the people. How dare you laugh about this issue when people are going out of business, when uh, uh, suicide rates are skyrocketing? Addiction is skyrocketing. Drug use, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How dare you laugh about this when you're sitting here with your comfortable salary? You One thing you are paid to do is fucking get together and vote. Get your fucking asses in here now when we're voting. The fact that nobody does that to me makes them all as culpable as each other. Yeah, I'll tell you, Thomas Massey had it uh, that that moment here about a year ago in the House of Representatives and, you know, basically was like, we're not going to we're not going to do this without holding a vote. We're not going to you know sentence this country uh, to death in an empty chamber. And I was just like, man, one guy, we got one guy out of four hundred and thirty five guys that's going to stand up and say something. And that's that's the only person. But yeah, no, you're, you're right on. Uh, I mean, a very similar attitude here in, in the States right now is, you know, uh, our, our legislative you know, process uh, has been absolutely allocated over to the, the executive. The executives are making fiat decisions for anybody and everybody as long as they can. And it is I mean, it's it's funny to see kind of the 
you know, the, the real data start to come in in terms of populations, uh, transmitted cases in certain times and deaths, you know, overall deaths in certain places from COVID. Like mm-hmm. Texas and uh, California, in terms of population, not dissimilar. Uh, their, their death rates are basically the same, you know, off by a couple thousand. Same with, um, you know, New York and Florida, same same population. The the difference is, is the, the different policies in terms of mandates, in terms of vaccines and, and yeah, masks it's, it's and everything else. System. Yeah, it's, it's that yeah. different damage, mate. And look, the one thing, there's, uh, I'm not going to pretend to know the number. I, I actually start, when it became clear that this was bullshit, I stopped following the exact figures. But there's one figure that I do check in on, and that is that most people overwhelmingly who die of COVID are past life expectancy. It doesn't matter if you're in the States. It doesn't matter if you're in Norway. It doesn't matter if you're Britain. You are past, most people that die of this are past life expectancy. When did we start? When did we start, you know, shutting down the country because people reached the end of their lives? Like, I, I, do people really believe that most people pass away in their sleep? That's not how most people die. <laughs> most people, most people die in the hospital because in the West, we, you know, for some really good reasons, but we drag people's lives on. Um, every grandparent I've lost, they've died in the hospital after extended stays. We didn't shut down the country for that. You know, like we've, I think to be honest, mate, a lot of this is, I, I believe you're, you're a God-fearing man, right? As yeah, a, not, like, not religious, spiritual, but uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. spiritual. Okay, yeah. cool. Sorry, mate. I thought you were, I thought you were more on the religious thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm the same, mate. I'm spiritual. Um, I'm not religious. Um, but I do believe that religion can serve a purpose. And I think there's something in humans that there's, Whatever, there's something on our hard drive that needs filling with an app for religion. And some people have, like, because we haven't got, we've, we've gone away from religion. Well, I think there's two things that happen, right? There's the reason that this pandemic is what it is. One is that we've lost, really, we've lost the Second World War generation. The generation of Westerners who knew the dangers of authoritarianism and totalitarianism, right? They knew this. Those people, okay, we're a few, well, there's a few of them around, but realistically, they've gone. That isn't a coincidence that this is happening now they've gone. Um, because one thing that people always have to do is relearn the same fucking shit again and again. My beard is a great example. I've done this a bunch of times. And now I'm having to learn the lesson again. <laughs> Don't so, trim when you're drunk. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going through a sober patch, mate, at the moment. I'm, I, I can't handle everything that's going on. I'm booze at the moment, mate. Um, but, um, you know, it's this, 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 that, that's one. And the other is we don't have, most of us do not have um, religion. And therefore, when people just have this slightest idea that they, they, they believe they're in danger, um, they, you know, they, they don't know how to handle it. They haven't got this idea of what comes after. So they panic. Um, but also people want something to cling on to with meaning and purpose. And that's why we are where we are now, because there's so many people who found meaning in this war against COVID. And it's exactly the same with veterans in the war on terror. A lot of veterans don't want to admit Maybe when I blew that person's house up, I was the bad guy because you've you've built up your identity around that. Like imagine looking at yourself in the mirror and going, oh, shit, I cheered for all those people to go out of business. And it was actually a sham. You know, like that's so hard for people. People don't want to be wrong. No, especially when especially when like you're like, like, bro, dude. People don't want to be wrong. If someone says to you, I told you to meet at seven o'clock and they turn up at eight. People don't want to admit they were wrong over that. They definitely don't want to admit, oh, shit, I kind of cheered our country sliding into totalitarianism. <laughs> like That's a big yeah. thing to admit let's, you were wrong on. Let's let's talk about that, too, because I think, you know, from from our point of view, you know, we've both, I, I think, said that uh, I've gotten very comfortable with saying I'm wrong over the years. Like I was a stupid. You say thick, um, you know, all all these things like we were just we we're young and we were uneducated and ignorant to the world for whatever the reasons that, you know, most of the time I'll blame on indoctrination. But um, I think that power to say I was wrong and then communicate that to people, that is something ex- extraordinarily powerful that I would love for people to understand, you know, it's like if, if it was, you know, as a veteran, um, you know, things went sideways and, and you kind of at this point where you've got your, your whole self wrapped around, you know, being a, you know, a, a Marine or a soldier or whatever it was. Um, and to, 
let that go for a lot of people. Super, super tough. But there's also a story on the backside of that that you can share with people that can really have a, a major, major impact. And you know what's weird as well is I actually credit the military with being able to um, look for faults. Because for anyone that doesn't know, in the military, every time you do something, you will get critiqued on it. No matter uh, what. And you, yeah, and you're not going to get a, oh, Shane, um, I know you tried your best, but like here's a few things I think like, okay, if only if it's okay with you, then right. maybe you could do better. It's going to be you fucking waste of space. You fucking abortion. What the fuck are you doing? Like, it's going to be like you, you, got, you get used to getting critiqued, but it makes you better. So you learn to enjoy that. Um, and you know what? Writing's exactly the same. Like, oh, yeah, I've got this killer first draft. Going to send it to the editor. Wow, that's a lot of red. <laughs> that's a lot of red paint. But you know what? If you want to get better, you have to learn to take criticism. Um, and that, so that's kind of gone now. And it is a superpower. It's a superpower in relationships. It's a superpower in business. Like, if you can't take criticism, and look, I hate taking criticism. I'm a fucking narcissist. I don't really, I don't enjoy taking that shit, but I know it will make me better. And I don't know, at the end of the day, it's going to help me achieve what I want to do. And I think age comes into this as well, because when you're in your early 20s, you might not have been wrong that many times. I'm 38 years old now, and I've got a large body of evidence that shows I'm wrong a lot. So, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, it's, you all you know is what you know you so you can't do any better than your best but you just have to be open to the fact of you know and, and this is something that you know sometimes i do want to shake people a little bit and one of the times i want to shake people is when i think you really think you've hit 30 and you know everything there is to know you really don't think there's the possibility that you could be wrong on this and uh, i get like a lot of times i've noticed you know young and this surprises me because you get a lot of young lads now who are very much behind the COVID regime. And I think it's because they've been brought up in this age of safetyism. And they'll tell me, open a book. And I just want to say, you little fucker. I have literally been studying history longer you've been alive. And then I remember, oh, that would have been me. If the roles were reversed now, I'd just be like, that would be me. You don't know what you're talking about. The government's the best. Why would they lie to us? Well, because of the government. Yeah, until you've been burned um, quite a few times and you've seen the uh, just the, the sheer enormity of the bullshit that they can wield at their disposal. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's hard for a young person that's never um, experienced it or even an old person who's never really experienced it, you know, upfront and personal um, the way we'll veterans have it. Yeah, and, and I think that's maybe what gives us, you know, at least some unique perspective is the 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 helping size of bullshit where it costs you, you know, your your youth, maybe some of uh, your your dexterity, your body parts, your friends, your family, your relationships. Like when you see the toll that it takes up front, I mean, it's it's no wonder uh, a lot of times veterans are the people who are, you know some of the very loudest people that seem like madmen out there, you know, going on about just how corrupt, uh, you know, a, a murder cult system it is. Um, I, I, with that being said, I wanted to get into some, maybe some dicey um, territory with uh, a Brit. Um, how, um, how is the Royal family perceived these days hmm. by people like yourself? Because I know this is, you know, this is one of those things where I would have an extreme, extremely hard time um you know with with the idea of royalty in 2021 so i, I really don't give a fuck mate to be quite honest because <laughs> like, to me to me it's a numbers game are they bringing in more money than they cost and they do so I, I just look at them as a business they have no power in actually getting anything done um they are purely ceremonial um they do a lot of work for charity that so they're good at that um, for instance, one of my friends, um, Special Forces guy, he did his JTAC course with uh, Prince Harry. So when my friend was trying to raise money for mental health, you know, he's getting 100 pounds a year, 100 pounds there. He got Prince Harry on board to help him. My friend ended up raising, I think it was two million pounds, which is about three thousand, mm. uh, just under three thousand, all because Prince Harry got involved with it. So that's kind of cool. 
Um, yeah. They're just cele- they're just celebrities at the end of the day, and you know what? Like, um, I have been personally. I felt a little let down with them during the last year and a bit because I would have liked one of them to have come out and just said something outspoken about what was going on, voice concern for the peasants. Um, but generally, I'd say they're a force. I, I'd, I'd say generally on that a net positive. If they were to be disbanded or whatever you want to call it, it really wouldn't bother me. But, uh, you know, at the same time, like, look, man, America has a royal family. Um, oh, well, of course the, we do. You know, the Clintons, all these people, they're royal families. It's just, again, it's something that humans seem to, you know, like you, me, the listeners, we, we have to understand that we are the anomalies. Um, most people want to be ruled because most people, I think, are um, kind of lazy, um, really, mentally. Um, and I don't, I, and I'm not to say that, like, look, man, I have a fucking very easy job now. I'm a fucking right, all right? I'm lazy. And that's, so I'm speaking from a point of experience. But a lot of people don't want to make decisions because that comes with a lot, like, you know, you're talking about being right and wrong. You know, there's a reason that most people don't want to be self-employed. Now, if you don't want to be self-employed, you probably definitely don't want to have total control over everything that goes on in your life. Now, I thoroughly believe that every human being is capable of being an autonomous individual, you know, um, with obviously limits on some people who maybe have, you know, head stuff. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but, but like, gen- but gen- generally speaking, I think that if you raise people up in the right way and support people in the right way, um, now that does, you know, I'm very much in the camp of hand hand up, not a handout. You know, I believe in volunteering and service and all this stuff. Uh, I just don't believe in having my shit taken off me and giving it to someone. It's like a lot of people I were, uh, were in high school with have never had a job and they never will do. And you know what? When we were in high school, they said that was their plan because that's what their families did. Wow, that that's not right. But one of my one of my friends yesterday she uh, she wants to leave California, which obviously I'm all for at the moment. Um, and she needs help with money setting up a business. She's setting a GoFundMe. Right, no problem. I'm putting money in that GoFundMe because I believe in you. I know you work your ass off, and I know that you're going to be a, a force for good in the world. So, you know, I'm kind of like when it comes to the you know the royal family and all that kind of stuff, mate. So long as they're bringing in more than they're taking, yeah, don't really care. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with your uh, the, the aspect and the point of view that the, the the Americans obviously have a royal family. We just they, you know slyly they called it something different in terms of an incorporated type of government. So no, you're 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 spot on the money, and that's where I have problems. Like, man, I'm supporting these guys, uh, and are they bringing in more here in the states? Uh, you know what? No. I can't say that here, man. Like, I can't say that they're, you know, a a, a better, you know, force or you know, anything like that. Not even close. It's just like they take and they take and they take and they kind of exist off of the the backs and the banks, you know. And that's that's a weird thing in this time um, to kind of you know switch gears into uh, what's happened in the past. I don't know, two years. I have, uh, I have a lot of, you know, good friends over there and uh, another JTAC fellow um, as well uh, that is uh, over there. And when you guys went through Brexit, you know, um, we were, we were having some conversations over some pints and uh, said something to him about, Hey, you know, I know this is really tough, man. And I know this is one of those things where a lot of people are looking at it as a, a bad thing, but to be able to sit there and show the world that you guys can secede from a centralized authority peacefully, I think is really something pretty amazing. And it basically came back and he said, mate, you don't know what you're talking about. And I said, uh, well, maybe watch here in the States. And this was probably right around November of 2019. I said, we're about to go through the biggest correction you've ever seen. And it's mm-hmm. going to hurt. So I hope, and I told him, I said, I hope we do this as peacefully as you guys in terms of seceding from uh, the European Union. What you got any thoughts on how that's going and where yeah. you're at? And that's a great point. And you also just shook another thought loose on me uh, on the royal family. Is one thing I will say for him is Prince Harry went to Afghanistan, served um, in danger. Um, William uh, William was a search and rescue pilot uh, who wanted to go to Afghanistan. He wasn't allowed to. Um, a lot of the royal family have served in war zones. So what I will say for them is that when it's like they they might be in those positions, but when it's come to war, they've been willing to do what the peasants are doing, which is not something I think can be said for 
the elite in um, countries like America, France, those, you know, other kind of countries. Um, no, mate, like, I think, I, a, I think you make an excellent point. Flat feet, anyone? Um, <laughs> you know, I, just, I, just trust funds. Yeah, oh, you have a trust uh, fund? Don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I think you make an excellent point. Um, obviously, Britain isn't was never in, as ingrained in Europe. To be honest, mate, a lot of Europe didn't want us there in the first place. France actually opposed, you know, Britain joining the EU after we just like lost so many men fighting two world wars to keep Germany out of there. But you know, they were like, no, no, you're not allowed to come in our gang now. Well, it's like, well, what about the hundreds of thousands of dead guys that are buried over there? Well, they can stay, I suppose. Um, but you know what? Like, I, I actually didn't vote in it. Um, I, I, I didn't vote in the Brexit thing because I was just, I'd already just totally given up on government at that point. Mm-hmm. And I thought if, if we leave, we're just going to replace it with another level of bureaucracy. And if we stay, it's going to be bureaucracy. And one way or another, someone's going to take my money. Like, so I just, I was like, I'm just not going to, not going to bother, bother to go down there and waste like my, my fucking time <laughs> just replacing one crook with another crook. Um, yeah. And as it's turned out, that's the case. We just replace crooks with crooks. But you're right. It is very um, um, encouraging that, you know, someone could succeed. Like, like, look, at the end of the day, if there's a military force in Brit- uh, in Europe, it's Britain. So, it, the the people who were seceding are the ones who'd actually be able to do the spanking, realistically. Um, oh, fucking hell, I got cramp in my foot. <laughs> um, so, you know, so that's that's kind of like one side of it. Um, the, 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 the thing with the States is, you know, the, with Britain seceding, we have always been, like, I've never classed myself as European. I've always classed myself as British. Now I kind of just think of myself as a person, you know, like I have more in common with you than I will do with most right. people living around me right now. Um, I've met yeah. people all over the world of every shade, of every race, of every religion who are my, you're my people, right? That's right. So I, I like, look, when it comes to sports and stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm all about Wales. But otherwise, I really don't give a shit to be quite honest. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not proud of like British history, what my grandparents did, all that kind of stuff. But we were never part of Europe, whereas the people who are in America right now who might have secession on their mind are a part of America. And Europe, you know, Britain is an island for one as well, which makes things a lot easier to secede when you're not actually joined in. And you guys, every other house might be a different. But I, I look at America and I just think if America was a married couple, you'd say get a divorce before things get ugly and one of you murders the other one. Um, yeah. The only hope I have, and, and, I, and I hope I'm wrong. This is one of the moments where I really hope I'm wrong. However, having studied military history for most of my life, I really don't ever see a situation like what's brewing in America right now and go, that's going to end well and it's going <laughs> to end peaceful. Now, that doesn't mean that America can't be the first one to do it. Like, America's been the first country to do so much. Right. Wouldn't it be amazing if America becomes the first country to have this peaceful, internal, you know, successful? So I'm working on a book right now with a guy who was in Northern Ireland. You know, I'm, I'm not having a go at America here, but the reason the IRA were able to do what they do is because a lot of people in America bankrolled them with weapons and with arms. Because they had this romantic notion of this struggles for like, oh, yeah, we're just going to fight the evil British and stuff. And, okay, but then you're going to plant a bomb in a pub and kill women and children and blow little pieces of them all over the place. You're going to go into someone's home and shoot him in the back of the head in front of his children. That is what people who are pushing for this to happen in America are bringing in, you know, a disgusting, dirty war where every time you get on the bus, someone might blow that bus apart. You know, if you're a cop, you might get taken around the back of an alleyway and shot in the head. You might be a good cop. If you're a business owner, because one of the things that happens in all these situations is, you know, like the IRA, Matt just became a massive gang. You know, a lot of the violence wasn't even related to the struggles because what happens when you have a when you have chaos, more chaos will come into it. You and I saw it in Iraq, the sectarian bloodshed in Iraq. Because... Okay, like we fought the enemy, but there's a very different, there's a very different kind of violence between armed groups shooting each other 
and people coming around in the middle of the night, raping your family in front of you, making you watch, and then leaving you alive after they've killed your kids. This is the stuff that happens when people are turned against neighbors. It becomes personal and violent in a way that would never happen when you've got country against country. It, like Obviously, those people are capable of, of evils too. But if you look at the worst violence, all you've got to do is look at what's happening in Mexico right now. Mexico mm -hmm. is in a civil war, which somehow the media don't talk about. There's a civil war two minutes outside of San Diego that nobody wants to, yeah, to talk yeah. about. And that's the thing is, you know, same same with the civil war going on there. It's it's one of those things where, you know, a, a large part of it is due to American influence through CIA, ATF, FBI, the whole alphabet soup down there playing both sides and, you know, everything in between uh, in terms of picking winners and losers and making black markets and everything else. But, yeah, no, I, I, I do hope you're wrong about, um, you know, America. I think there is a... A, a path to pe uh, peaceful secession. Um, there could be some violence in some parts, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are still as comfortable as they can be. And I think you know, when it gets bad enough, they're just going to say, "Hey, you know, screw it, we're going to go do things our way." And you so. know, honestly, yeah, honestly, you know, we started seeing that um, in in quite a few pockets here already, which I'm very, actually, very encouraged about. Um, I want to talk about some some hopeful things before we uh, wrap yeah. up here, man. Um, no, you, you've got, um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, um, you, you're working on some more books. You've got a basically a trilogy um, that you've been in, you know, production of for quite some time now. And what are you in your into your second book? Um, so I, I write a bunch, mate. Um, I just write, I don't like to kind of stick to one genre. Uh, I also don't have kids. So <laughs> that opens up a, that opens a, lot, up a lot of time. A lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're, especially when it's legal for you to go outside. Um, you'd be amazed at how much work you can get done. Um, I've got, uh, we've got a movie that we're hoping to sell. Um, we're taking it to the American film market. Santa Monica next month. So hopefully you sell that. We've got Sylvester Stallone on there as executive producer. And then we've got a bunch of one of your guys from Georgia. Actually, we've got Tony Gonzalez, the uh, Atlanta Falcons tight end. To Tony's in the yeah. movie. Um, we've got a bunch of other uh, NFL uh, guys in there. People know. Um, I did that with my friend, um, Nate Boyer, ex-Green Beret guy, NFL NFL dude. So we've done that. So that's why one of the things I'm, I'm really excited about that because I think once like what, you know, I mean, I know Hollywood has a bad rep in liberty circles and then, you know, kind of understandably so. But the way we plan on changing that, and I, I don't think it's impossible to get stuff done is, you know, we, we had a crew uh, and a cast of mostly veterans, um, which is why we were able to get a lot done a lot cheaper because we just all guys are just everyone's just kind of chipping in. Everyone's just doing what needs to be done. Um, you know, so I kind of like looking forward to bringing projects to the screen because I think we can reach more people. You know, where the message, the, the, the message behind that movie is to just not be a victim and, and to, you know, to rediscover purpose through like rediscovering your tribe. Just because you're out in the military doesn't mean that you can't be part of a team anymore. Uh, and I'm a massive fan, as I know you are. I can see your broad shoulders right now, of, you know, <laughs> of like the importance of, of exercise on a daily basis. I honestly believe, mate, if everybody in this country, in your country worked out, we wouldn't be, in, we wouldn't be shut down right now or we wouldn't have had oh. any shutdowns. Just take a t take a two mile walk every day. I mean, yeah. you know, it's 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 not going to hurt you. That's for sure. But like, if if you've got fit people, a cold isn't a big deal. Well, not a cold. Right. I'm you know I'm I'm exaggerating. I you know. know what I mean. Um, you know, I, I it's, COVID it's less for, than a cold. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I had it for a day. I I had it for a day, and I didn't. It didn't knock me off doing anything. Um, and it didn't. My mum's my mum's sixty five years old. She took a day off gardening. That was it. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, so it's like, look, are there people who are exceptions to that? Absolutely. Is there tragedy? Absolutely. But if we're fitter as countries, then these things really aren't an issue. Like so many of our issues are just self-inflicted. Uh, but as far as the books go, I have a series, um, do a series on the Roman, uh, the Roman legions. And that's always kind of like fun to research because I'm just looking at it on my, uh, you know, the first one I did was on the Varian disaster, which happened in AD9. And I was in Iraq at the time where I was doing the research on it. And I was like, this is exactly what's going on now. We have um, a bunch of pompous um, leaders who think that they, they're smarter than the enemy. We have a technology, uh, te technologically superior military. 
We don't understand the natives. We don't listen to the natives. And what happened to the Romans? They lost three legions. And I mean, we lost Iraq. We lost Afghanistan. Um, I think it's like the third time Britain's lost there, maybe fourth of Afghanistan in a couple hundred years. And um, we don't got a good record. They're, they're fucking good. They beat everyone. They, they, <laughs> no, they, 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 they just stay home. They took Alexander the Great to a stalemate. Um, they, yeah. they appreciate they appreciate hot. And yeah, um, yeah and, and then I, I write. Um, I help people write their military biographies. That's that's good fun. Um, I've written quite a few of those. Um, I actually, <laughs> if you want to read, man, I'll send you this book because I think you'll dig it. I wrote um, to twenty nineteen. I started to see the writing on the wall with a lot of the big tech stuff and things. And one one of the things that really kind of worry me because I, you know, I'm, I'm into Soviet history and things like that. And and I started thinking, wow, imagine if imagine if like one of these totalitarian countries had access to social media and you know because one of the things these countries have always had to do is they've always had to torture people and get confessions and i thought we've already confessed on our facebook walls on our instagram posts every one of us who is liberty-minded has already signed our confessions um and this is why like you don't want to let it go to that point because you're not getting off and i thought what would happen if they started just coming for people in the night what, what what would happen if they started coming for the people who had said oh we should hang politicians this is a joke they come for them first nobody's going to say anything because you don't want to get in trouble and then they've got the information on everything you've ever said online and that was kind of like part of the idea and i thought why if that happens at the time because usually when an empire collapses there's eternal dispute and then there's something like a there's a, either a war or there's a um or there's a natural disaster and stuff you know things usually happen a couple of things happen at once to just really tip it over the edge. And I started writing that 2019. And then um, one of the things as well, it was in there was like the importance of language, you know? Um, and then the pandemic starts happening. And I was like, I don't think I went far enough with this book. Like I set this in 2100. I think I was a bit, I was a bit too optimistic. Um, and so that's about, I'm looking for a publisher for that at the moment. Um, but if you may, if you want to read, I'll send it to you, man. I was always open for feedback. Um, and then what else have we got on the go? Um, I just, just basically, uh, oh yeah, I've got, um, one of the things that we, uh, I had a TV show that got really, we were really close to selling that to a studio, uh, before COVID happened. And then that stuck, that lost that. Not that I'm disappointed or anything, but that kind of sucked. We had the, we had the, the talents, everything, all the production companies good to go. Uh, so we're kind of resurrecting that. So Really, mate, that was a really long-winded answer to um, – I got a bunch of shit going on, all of it in yeah, words. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's, you know, I, I think that's, you know, why I find, you know, conversations with you, you know, so much fun because I, I find myself just, you know, if, if I'm clearing something off my plate, I'm putting two more things on all the yeah, okay. time. And it's like, you know, there, there's stuff to do, people. Like, you shouldn't be bored during this time. Like, this is the one of the most amazing times in history – to be alive and to document and to create content, just show people, you know, like this is what was going on during this time. And I mean, you're going to be a, you're going to be a legend for some kid, you know, someday that's going, man, they were talking about this, you know, back in, you know, 2021 with the, the great COVID scare and all that kind of crap, right. Where the, you know, the, the world went tyrannical for a couple of years and then it maybe hopefully saw the light. So I don't know, man, like, I think it's badass. I hope, so, that you got, <laughs> I hope it's, well, look, you know, like, good. Sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Mate. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, mate. It's just, the, you, you know, you, you, you hit the hail, the hail on the head, man. It has been a long day. You hit the nail on the head with, uh, you know, like, you and I have a conversation now. Obviously, it will reach more people. But I, I feel that we have a duty and an obligation to serve. And, you know, there's there's different ways of serving. You can go to a soup kitchen or you can pass information on. And if you're if, if that's what you're good at, which I think is what you're good at, you know, you, you, I'm sure you have it when you have a message of somebody that you, that is a massive impact in the world. And if everybody does that, like, you know, I think, you know, I said and I, I, I am optimistic. Mate. I'd like to think about that. I'm a, crit, a critical optimist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think you're, I think you fall into the same camp. You, you see the bullshit and we want to change the bullshit, but we believe we can change the bullshit, you know? And, and I, and I, I, I kind of look at it as like, you know, that old stonks graph, you know, I think 
we're trending. We are trending down right now. I definitely believe that um, we are going into we are going kind of like downwards in terms of. Um, I think quality of life is kind of going to go down for a bit. I think liberty obviously has taken a massive hit, but I think we'll correct out of it. Um, I I really do. And my biggest hope and the reason that I talk about this and the reason I'm grateful for you talking about it and anyone listening that talks about this, whether it's your grandma, your cat on a podcast, whatever, the reason I'm grateful for that is because we have an opportunity to come out of all of this peacefully, you know, because we're going to come out of it one way or another, but are we going to have to fight our way out and go through so much suffering and leave so much suffering or can we cut it off at the pass and can we come out of this peacefully and having used our mouths rather than use our rifles, which I think is the end that we should all be go, you know, this the end that we should all be working for. Yeah. 100%. And I, I couldn't have said it better, man. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, um, let's be adults, let's have positive communication and let's boil it down and find common ground and then leave each other alone. Um, before we get out of here, um, I want to, I want everybody to, uh, you know, go out and find you. How can we find you and how can we help you out with what you're uh, good with all the irons in the fire? I don't want to go, man. I'm having fun. <laughs> can we do a Rogan podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, we do, like we can do another one. <laughs> okay, great. Let's, let's do a Rogan sometime. Um, where can people find me? At GRJ Books on Instagram. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be on there for because I keep getting a lot of warnings from them. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm not a 5G theorist or I'm not a depopulation theorist. I'm a everybody deserves free choice theorist. We all deserve free choice. Government takes uh, power from individuals. Those are my kind of beliefs. And I believe every single one of you listening has the right to do what the fuck you want in your own life as long as you're not impacting other people. If that sounds like the right kind of vibe, at GRJ Books, I am starting to look for new other platforms um, because like, I'm just getting shut down constantly by um, Instagram. I have the blue check on there, which, to be honest, I think is what's keeping me... Um, afloat on there i think my, my account would have been gone a long time ago without that yeah. um but I, i'm very much looking to to kind of find something else now because uh um that that place is just getting is, is just getting strangled and to be honest i just don't want to support facebook you, you know i don't want to support them i don't want to be bringing them stuff if they're not yeah. they're not going to stand for liberty i don't want to support them so Those guys are uh, yeah at so uh, com is the other one vsom podcast.com um we'll be dropping the episode with you with your good self tomorrow that'll be up there so you'll, you'll be our latest episode so uh if you want to hear more of me and shane that's the place to go i'll tell you what that was a great show man we covered a ton of ground i mean there was an hour and a half at least yeah mate it was that was a lot of fun um and like i said i feel like i thought i feel like you are my brother from another continent uh <laughs> Uh, literally no i mean it's it's and this is why like i saw you know talk about tribe and stuff um and i think as well mate this is another cause to be optimistic because you and i have never met we've grown up in different countries we've had different experiences growing up some similar some not and we've both come to the conclusion that liberty is the answer and that tells me that in every country around the world there's people having conversations like this. And I know social media gets a bad rep, some of it understandably so. But we wouldn't have this conversation without it. And, you know, like a rifle, you can use it for good, you can use it for bad, you can use it to provide for your family, or you can use it to destroy. And um, I think that, you know, we all have we all have a duty to seize this moment. Like you were saying, mate, we live in such a really exciting time, sometimes for the wrong reasons. But but also for a lot of good ones. And there's like every single one of us right now has a device that enables you to be, you can be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. It's as simple as that. I'm not going to try to make it any more well-spoken or poetic. I think you just <laughs> crushed it, brother. Hey, seriously, let's let's do these, you know, on a, on a regular basis because Love I think uh, I think checking in um, around the world with different people from different populations, uh, especially with a liberty bent, is a great thing. Uh, it's it's a great way to take a you know kind of a, a temperature or thermostat, if you will, of uh, where people are at and uh, you know where we might be able to help each other uh, as as people, you know gain traction or 
uh, push a, an, an idea that maybe isn't uh, so prevalent in our country. So, man, uh, I am I'm super appreciative and humble uh, to call you a, a friend and a, and a brother after all this. And I uh, look forward to doing a lot more hours with you here in the future. And if you're ever here in the States or you need a bad guy for a film, let me know, man. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to be looking here soon. So, man, um, I love I love that, mate. I love that. Definitely going to get you. Definitely going to rope you in, mate, as a as a as an actor. Um, but, mate, I just want to say thanks so much for today. Mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I appreciate what you're doing. And I hope all the best for you. But 100 percent, let's do this regularly, mate, because uh, it's a it's a lot of fun. And to be honest, mate, you put me in a really good mood. So thank you. Yeah. Hey, cheers, brother. And uh, I don't know. After sober October, maybe we can have a pint and uh, and, and do this the, the right <laughs> way. We'll hang I'm out for a long time. I'm coming over next summer, mate. I'm coming over the next summer. Hey. So. We'll open up the comments for live chats. We'll have to find a, a good time of day, maybe even on a weekend to do it for, for people out there to ask all sorts of fun questions. But uh, everybody, Drunk Jones, please go out there, follow him, love his stuff, share it, and uh, and get involved. Uh, brother, I appreciate it, man. And uh, for the crowd out there, I hope you have a great week. I'll be back here uh, tomorrow night with Jason Stapleton. And uh, we're going to talk a lot of wealth, power, and influence. Until then, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.